Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Happy Friday. Hopefully, I release this on a Friday. This might be our Monday podcast. So if so, happy Monday, but probably happy Friday. Um, <laughs> this, this, this podcast is all totally fully based on Leanne Leary's blog on our website. It is baller. One of my favorite blogs she's ever written. One of my favorite blogs we've ever published in general. Stop what you're doing right now. Go to thosewhoseek.org. You can find it in the show notes. Read the blog, subscribe to our newsletter, our, our weekly email that we send that has the blog, highlights a podcast, highlights some other things that we have going on. So that's, that way you never miss anything. You don't miss the great writing, audio and um, you know visual or reading, things like that. Like you want to compound and, and learn things both ways. So this podcast is dedicated all about that because I was so inspired by the blog that she wrote. And so I hope that this message inspires you as well. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. He's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. lead others and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on everybody? This is Nathan Crankfield. This is a quick little reflection on today's blog by my dear friend Leanne Leary. And so Leanne wrote this this great blog titled we had hoped to build a cavalry cavalry <laughs> cavalry 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 so easy to max them up but we had hoped to build a cavalry uh and saint louis de montfort this is a great quote from him that she actually based this entire blog on and it's just super you know timely with her life and what she's doing down in her missionary work down in haiti and so I'd love this. I think it's one of our favorite blogs, especially <laughs> I'm very partial to my own writing. But this is one of my favorite SE blogs ever, for sure. She's did a great job. Very transparent, really poured out her heart into this one. So I 10 out of 10 recommend you go read that at thosewhoseek.org. And as I often tell you guys, sign up for our newsletter so you don't miss our blogs because I think our podcasts are great, but we do have some great writers and, and put out a lot of really good written content. Leanne does a great job with uh the email program, we don't send any nonsense and she sends great blogs each week. So check those out. So she talks about how St. Louis de Montfort grew up in France with a father known for having just a horrific temper, right? He had a really bad temper. And so later on in life, St. Louis uh, is it get, recruits like inspired and recruited a bunch of peasants to build a huge mon monument to the passion of Christ. 
you know, where they tried to build Calvary, right? And just kind of build something that would remind people, put them in a place where people could pray. And they spent 15 months, hundreds of people volunteered, worked super hard, right, to, to get this thing put up. And when it was just about completed, right, the day before it was supposed to be dedicated by the bishop, word got back to uh, St. Louis that his enemies had convinced the government to destroy it. They lied to the authorities and said that the structure was actually meant to be a fortress against the government, so it was destroyed. And so when Louis received the disappointing news, he told thousands of people who had gathered for the blessing ceremony, quote, we had hoped to build a Calvary here. Let us build it in our hearts. Blessed be God. So there's a few things I want to talk about with this. One is just kind of generally, you know, dealing with disappointment, right? I think that that's obviously a huge thing that sticks out to it. Um, sticks out in this quote, right? And so you think about that, right? And so when you have something, you know, I know I had a very, very, very mild, relatively mild experience with this just at the beginning of the semester, you know, reflecting back on just all the the hopes and dreams that I had for working at Benedictine College as a resident director, plans and hopes of things that I had, had you know, aspired to do with my residents, uh, with my team, with the other students here on campus. And I had this experience essentially twice because I did it in the fall, had this big brainstorming session with my RAs and the people here and uh, had all these plans and things I wanted to institute. And then two weeks in, we got quarantined for two weeks. And then there was only three weeks left of the semester. So then I finally get a grip on everything, get caught up on all the work that I was behind on when I got here uh, just by coming you know, halfway through the semester. And the third day of classes tore my Achilles. And so you kind of have this like, man, you know, when you try to do things over and over again, and you're really seeking to do something good, right? Like, it's, it's even more frustrating in this story that it's not like he was like building, you know, a palace for himself, or he was building a home for himself, or he was trying to do something selfish. Like St. Louis was trying to build a monument to our Lord and his passion, right? So that's some serious disappointment. And we all experience this, right? We all experience these setbacks and some in small ways, some in big ways, but either way it hurts. And I think that we have to look at the saints and we, we get to look at the saints, you know, it's such a privilege and truly a gift to have saints like St. Louis de Montfort that we can look at in these situations and say, wow, this person experienced what I did and they went on to be a saint. How did saints handle this type of disappointment, the setbacks, these discouragement, you know what I mean? This type of discouragement, things like that. And scripture gives us a lot of that as well, right? Like the book of Job is so good at this and just kind of how do you handle the misfortune that, that befalls you, right? That happens to you in your life. And it's a hard thing, you know, and I think that this, this, this statement, you know, it reminds me a lot of Job. And I think that he was probably thinking of Job in this moment because there's a point in, in Job's story, you know, where his wife's like, why don't you just curse God and die? Like God's taking everything away from you. And he says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have scripture in front of me, but I, I know this because I love this quote. He said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. I was naked when I came from my mother's womb and I'll be naked when I leave. And he says, blessed be the name of God. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. And it's like, damn, like, why, <laughs> how do I get to that level of virtue, right? How do I get to that level of patience and endurance and perseverance spiritually, mentally, emotionally, right? Like, how do you get to that place? And it's through a lot of prayer and it's through a lot of uh, grace, obviously, and a lot of practice, a lot of trial and error. You know, St. Louis, one of the things Leanne talks about in detail as well is that St. Louis has, he, he claimed to have the same temper of his father. 
right? So he's somebody who is often enraged or angry and things like that. And, uh, you know, would be a bit of a rabble rouser, right? Like definitely caused a stir in his time. And so you think about that, like it's, he's not like some calm, timid puppy, right? That's like afraid to make noise. Like he's a livid inside and this is his response, right? I think one thing that's really motivating in this story is he, he says this, this quote to thousands of people who gathered for the dedication, right? So when I think that that's one of the main points to, to make is that when, when you're a spiritual leader, and you know, you're an example, right? And this is true. If you're a mother, if you're a husband, if you're a leader at work, you know, and like, even when I tore my Achilles, right, I had my staff, I had my students here, like people look at you as an example, right? What type of person are you going to be? Are you going to be down on your luck? Or are you going to be depressed? Um, or are you going to be inspirational and positive and hopeful? And it doesn't mean that there's not times where you don't experience that, right? Like St. Louis de Montfort probably went home and cried that day. I definitely experienced times of like serious, like actual depression throughout the last 90 days. Today's actually my 90 day mark of being on crutches since I tore my Achilles. Almost at like this time of night too, when I'm recording this. And it's crazy to think about, you know, and there's darkness and there's, there's deep sadness that goes on, you know, the loneliness and uh, hopelessness and just despair and discouragement of all the things you'd hope to do at the beginning of the year or whatever it is, you know, when you kind of get your feet knocked out from underneath you, <laughs> literally or metaphorically. There's a lot of pain that comes with that. But the, the point is that, you know, I learned this in the army, praise the Lord, that when you're a leader, you don't, you, don't, you, you let some of that show, right? Because it's your humanity and you want to be real to your people. But you also still have to continue to lead and to be hopeful and to be inspirational. You don't get to just take the time off and say, you know, I'm just going to be sad for the next 90 days in front of all of you and just constantly complain to you about my woes. And nobody does that perfectly, right? There's times where I wish I had been more positive around people. There's times where I wish um, I had been more real with people, right? And transparent about the pain that I was experiencing. And, and it's hard to find that balance of the two, but you definitely don't want to be in the extreme of either, right? Where you don't seem real and authentic and you're constantly forcing it trying to be positive but you also don't seem like a you know they're not coming to visit eeyore every time they come to see you right there's beautiful stories of catholic saints and uh just general everyday catholics who who suffer very well when it comes to the end of their life or some type of pain or cross that they have to bear right so when you think about that um these are our experiences right these are our moments and i think that to a certain extent saint louis de montfort had to know that he had to know like this is this is one of my moments. This is a heroic moment for me where I can either freak out and like seek revenge and get really angry or I can take it on the chin. Say that, you know, the Lord could prevent this if he wanted to and he didn't. He allowed this to happen. There must be a reason for that. I'm willing to accept that. And blessed be God. Let's take this opportunity to, to build Calvary in our hearts. And that takes the, the focus on uh, discouragement from what didn't happen that day to turning everybody there in their minds to what can we do today? What can we still do? And that's one of the biggest things I think that we have to think about when we experience these setbacks is, okay, I can't do what I had hoped to do. I can't do what I thought I could do, but what can I do? And that's what you have to seek out. And that's what you have to strive to do. And I think that along with that comes, comes a, a great second, second part, um, or another major point that I really wanted to make with all of this is uh, in, in the quote there that, that Leanne wrote in the blog, uh, it talks about, you know, the day that it was supposed to be dedicated uh, by the bishop, word got back to Louise that his enemies had convinced the government to destroy it. 
And this one's really big to me, right? His enemies. And I think that it's something that's really interesting because I think that we have a common misconception about this where we don't like to think that saints ever have enemies. We don't like to think about that. And I think that a lot of that comes from the nice coddle culture, the nice Jesus, the woke Jesus that we have in today, a lot of times popularized through non-denominational Protestants, but that has seeped into and affected our Catholic faith in a lot of ways. And so we don't like to think of Jesus being someone who caused any division, who ever upset anybody. We don't like to think about Jesus getting angry, right? We don't like to think about judgment. And we definitely don't like to think about the saints ever having enemies or pissing people off or pushing back, right? When you think about what a lot of people would detail as saints today, they're, they're not those people. And it's been something that I've constantly kind of struggled with in my life is I've always been somebody, <laughs> for better or for worse, who people either really loved or didn't like. I would, always, I would often joke, you know, and kind of say that there's not a lot of people out there who are lukewarm about Nathan Crankfield. Either they're, they really like me or they really don't. And I, I think that that has continued on through social media, through the podcast, through my everyday life, right? Different jobs that I've been at, places that I've been. And it's something that I've had to come to grips with really when I was about 13 or 14, when I really had this kind of transformation, both in converting and also just kind of, I pointed that time period of my life as being when my confidence really took hold, took root in my life. And I think that it was something that I had to accept. And what helped me to accept that, that at times people weren't going to like me, was one, having to experience that from a young age, right? Like just, I've written about this and talked about this before, but, you know, getting made fun of for being black when I was eight or getting made fun of as middle school because everybody got made fun of and just some of the rejection that I dealt with with my siblings, right? Like I had my own siblings not liking me when I was growing up um, and, and not like, oh, like you argue with your brother or sister. No, like these are my half siblings. So it was like complex already. You know, we already had different mothers. And then it was like my own family telling me that I was too white sometimes. Other people tell me I was too black, like just kind of being rejected on all these different fronts, my dad leaving. And so I had to think about this. I'm like, man, like there's, there's always people. And I think I really came to accept this somewhere between 13 and 19, but just kind of reflecting, you know, like as I got more into my faith and started changing then, then people still didn't like me. Then I, you know, started speaking and doing Bible study stuff. People still didn't like me. And it was like, man, no matter what I do, I can't win. But one thing that really helped me all the time was, I'm like, bro, think about this. Every one of your heroes had people who hated them. Jesus, Mother Teresa, St. John Paul II, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali, the, the Rock, right? Like even on like a joking level, Rocky Balboa, Derek Jeter, like, I'm like, everybody you look up to, like, has, has people out there who love them and who hate them. And I'm like, you know, Martin Luther King was killed. Abraham Lincoln was killed. I'm like, the only people who everybody likes and everybody considers nice and pleasant don't do anything. They don't accomplish anything. And so, like, I started to grasp that. And I love, there's so many secular voices who really speak about this well in a certain sense. Gary Vee has a great video that I've watched literally 50 times that kind of talks about this, of not letting other people's opinion of you over affect you, caring about it, but not letting it guide your life. David Goggins talks about it a lot <laughs> in very strong, strong language. And I think that a lot of times in the church, we, we avoid that and we avoid sainthood in the, in the process of this because we want everybody to like us all the time. And sometimes it could frustrate people, you know, because Emily cares more about what 
people think about me or us than I do. My mom's the same way. Sometimes, you know, like I've had people in my life who it frustrates and I've missed in, in doing this and living my life that way and accepting that not everybody's going to like me and you're not going to hit it perfectly. But I think that being a people pleaser, being somebody who's constantly trying to be liked by everybody or is afraid to rock the boat or is afraid to, uh, you know, of any confrontation or, or upsetting anybody ever, you're not going to be able to truly love people. You're not going to be able to truly follow your mission in life, right? Because maybe your friends or your coworkers or the person you're dating at the time, you know, your parents might not understand the mission that you have in life. These people might not understand your purpose. And so when St. Louis de Montfort is seeking out his purpose in life, there's certain people who are trying to stand in the way of him doing what he was supposed to do, right? And the devil uses all types of people. The, the devil, the flesh, and the world are our three great enemies, and they're always seeking to destroy our mission, to interrupt our purpose, to stop us from doing what God's called us to do, what he's created us to do. And so if you, the only, like we, we often say, you know, like when you think about spiritual warfare and things like that, the only people or the people who the devil is the least interested in are the people who are lukewarm and don't do anything, right? They might even go to church sometimes, but they're kind of dabbling in it. They're lukewarm. Maybe they go to church once or twice a month, but they're, you know, very committed to, to living in sin in some way and not changing. They don't evangelize at all. They're, they're not really setting a good example for other people. They're not on the path that God set out for them in their lives. And so the devil just lets you coast, right? And so it doesn't mean that you have to go out there and you should relish in pissing people off, that you should relish in anger or, you know, discontent or discord with other people. No, right? We seek, we seek peace. We seek, um, you know, reconciliation with those who have wronged us or who we have wronged. And you should forgive everybody who wrongs you, everybody who lies about you, everybody who gossips about you, right? Everybody who talks badly about you. You want to forgive those who wrongly have a negative view about you or something that you do, right? People who don't have uh, patience or compassion on you, right? Like I've had the experiences here to a certain extent of people who, who really don't understand. Like it's, it's been amazing to me how many people treat a torn Achilles like it's a, like it's a twisted ankle, right? And expect you to be walking two weeks later. And it's like, dude, I mean, I'm 90 days in and my, my ankle still doesn't look like an ankle, right? Like it's still the size of a grapefruit almost, you know, or at least a, a big apple. And it's just like, man, no, I still can't bend my, my foot back to 90 degrees, right? Like I'm just trying to get back to 90 degrees so I can walk again 90 days later. Um, that's with five weeks of physical therapy, both in the pool and on land with a physical therapist and doing stuff at home. And so, you know, like you have to understand, like people aren't going to have compassion for you. People are going to think you're lazy or people are going to think you're a distractor that you don't care uh, and they make all kinds of judgments of you. And, and this is why, you know, I, I, this is one of the things that holds me up about writing my book, If Only Life Was Black and White Like Me, because life is so complex and people just fail to realize that, right? Like everybody wants to interpret a situation or a circumstance, or we want to judge a person so clearly, black and white, just characterize it, be like, they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Boom, let me put them in the bad person camp. But what one thing that you have to realize, if you're going to seek to try to become a great person, you have to be willing for some people to consider you a bad person. Let me say that again, because I think that's the quote of the episode so far. If you're going to seek and strive to become a great person, if you're going to seek and strive for excellence in your life, you have to be willing for some people to consider you a bad person because they're not gonna agree with the things that you value. They're not gonna agree with the things that you prioritize, right? If you're gonna be a great father and husband and you're gonna work in it, especially in the secular world, but sometimes even in the Catholic world, sometimes you have to make sacrifices to your work, right? 
And if you're going to strive to do, uh, you know, make money financially, sometimes you get to make sacrifices that for tithing and for generosity, right? Like everything takes sacrifice. Nothing's black and white. It's all confusing and, and complex. We're complex people. Humanity is complex. We create complex problems, right? That demand complex, complex solutions. So you have to be willing for some people to judge you wrong, for some people to look at you poorly, for some people to, you know, make fun of you and mock you and like, praise God for that. Because that's how people acted towards Jesus. Think about the people who, who gossiped about him, the people who talked badly about him, the people who tried to catch him and trick him and bait him into things and get him in trouble, right? Think about the people who, you know, mocked him and made fun of him and spit on him and all these things, right? Think about our, our priests, all the good and holy priests that you love who get all types of negative looks and comments and sneers and stares when they go out in public in their collars, when they have the courage to go out in public in their collars because of the sex abuse crisis that's taking place in America and around the globe. Think about our, our martyrs and the people around the world who are persecuted for their faith. Like we, like I, I, I'm honored and grateful in my, in my sober moments, you know, emotionally sober moments that I get to unite myself to them. And that as I try to seek out my purpose and do this podcast and write and, you know, pursue my vocation and work this job and give myself to the students and to the people on, you know, social media questions and, and all these different things, right? Mentor the people that I mentor that I've met throughout the years, help people along, maintain my faith life, strive for excellence, grow my physical fitness, read so that I have more to give and to share. When I'm trying to do all of those things, there's going to be people who aren't going to like me along the way. And if you do the same thing, there's going to be people who aren't going to like you along the way and accept that just like our Lord accepted it, just like St. Teresa of Calcutta accepted it, just like JP2 accepted it, just like King David accepted it, just like St. Louis de Montfort accepted it. But next time you have those disappointments, next time you have those struggles, say those words, blessed be God. We'd hope to do this. Let us instead honor God in our hearts. Blessed be God. Pray for the fortitude and the courage, the humility to say that next time you experience disappointment. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. Pray for it ahead of time so that you can have the courage, the discipline, the temperance, the, the peace in that moment to speak those words and to speak them aloud, to speak them to those who are around you, to speak them to those who, to whom you witness, right? Pray for that now. You know, uh, one thing I love Father Mike said, Father Mike Schmitz once said about chastity, he's like, pray to be chased. And if you don't want to be traced, chased, pray that you will want to be chased. And if you don't even want to want to be chased, pray that you will want to want to be chased, right? He's like, go back as many times as you need to. The same goes for this. If you're not good when people talk bad about you, when people attack you, when people gossip about you, when people don't like you, pray to be, you know, strong in those moments. And if you don't want that, pray to want to want that. Pray to, to desire that because you have to have that, that level-headedness to keep your head in all situations as St. Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy. Keep your head in all situations, in all circumstances, and just bear that cross. Bear it gracefully. It's not easy. It's not delightful. It's not pleasant, but that's what we're called to do. And I think that you can do it. I know that you can do it if you put your mind to it, if you grow your mental toughness, you grow your grit, and you use all these crosses that you're given, that you're blessed with in your life to unite yourself closer to God, to unite yourself to the saints who have made it to the finish line, who have fought the good fight, who have finished the race. And you just strive for excellence in everything that you do. You can do it. We can do it. And we ought to do it. We have to do it. We need to do it. The world needs to see us do it. So go out there, fight hard, and be your best.